Well, hello there and welcome to another episode of Working Conversations. This week, we're going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to tell you about a coaching client that I recently worked with because I think what she was going through is so relatable to so many people right now. Here's the thing. She was lonely at work. She was an executive who had onboarded into her role approximately two weeks before the pandemic hit and with several dozen people who reported to her on her team that now worked remotely and reported to her that she frankly did not know very well, she found some steep challenges, not necessarily in managing their work. They did great at that part. They were fantastic workers. But she had a hard time with her own connection to people. She was lonely at work. Now, in a certain sense, she was indulging in a story that did not serve her, indulging in an emotion that did not serve her, loneliness. If you keep telling yourself you're lonely over and over and over, how do you imagine you're going to feel? Of course you're going to feel lonely. Now, I can totally relate to her predicament, not just because of the pandemic, but earlier in my career, when I was in a corporate job, the team that I led was what I called strategically misaligned. We did not fit neatly into how the organization was structured at that time, not at all, not in the least. Now, what that provided for me was an excellent opportunity to fly under the radar a lot. The vice president that I reported to, he was a smart guy. He was smart about a lot of things. What I and my team did, unfortunately, was not one of them, or perhaps fortunately for me. Now, there was only one of me, and he didn't really understand my work, so he wasn't somebody that I could relate to and uh, establish a lot of connection with as it relates to work problems and the like. The other directors at my level in the organization all supervised software developers, And not the user interface layer of the software, like the design, you know, how it looked on the screen. No, 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 no. That I could have related to. No, they supervised software developers that worked deep in the guts of all the systems that our company produced. And I would hear terms like middle tier, data tier, database architecture, and other terms like that that I generally understood, but I did not specifically understand. So my peers and I were managing very different kinds of work, very different kinds of employees, and that led to very different challenges. You know, because one of the things that bring people together, people will come together around a shared problem or a shared challenge. So if you and your fellow manager each have employees who are struggling with some of the same things, then you can kind of come together around that, develop a sense of connection and help each other through those problems. But unfortunately, that was not the case for me and my peers in that job. We did not have much in common, especially as it related to the work front. Now, of course, personally, we found some common ground as things like parents with some of us as having similar hobbies and so forth, but we just did not come together around the work. And I definitely remember saying to people that I was professionally lonely in that role. I had a great team who reported to me and I had strong connections with them. In fact, I'm still in touch with almost every single person who reported to me when I led that team. Uh, They were a great group of people and we had strong and personal connections, 
But as you know, the distance, the power distance between a manager and employee is such that the manager can't tell the employee everything that's going on in the organization or certainly not everything that I was struggling with. It was just not prudent. And if you remember my podcast earlier about levels of discretion, I would have been breaking a level of discretion in telling my employees that I was professionally lonely in that role. And they may have, in fact, taken it personally because they might not have understood that that loneliness did not necessarily include them. It was that me and my peers at the level of management that I was at in the organization just could not find any connections. Uh, Now, Here's where things turned a corner and I didn't need to dwell in that space or indulge in that space of professional loneliness. You see, I got to be very entrepreneurial or even intrapreneurial. So intrapreneurial meaning somebody who is inside of a larger organization but gets to be entrepreneurial. And I got to be very entrepreneurial in that role. Remember, I was flying under the radar because my vice president didn't know what the heck I did. So I got to have some fun and really grow the team and grow the capacity that uh, of services that we provided for our clients across the organization. We were essentially a design service, a design and usability service within a large organization, and our customers were different business units across the organization. So as long as I brought in enough work to keep my team busy and meet our bottom line because we were charging those business services back out to the business units that hired us. As long as I met my bottom line, my boss didn't care what the heck I did. So again, I got to be very entrepreneurial in that role and come up with lots of new and fun ways to do our work. And in so doing, I created big enough problems, big enough challenges, if you were, that outweighed being lonely. Those problems, the business problems that I was creating by finding new customers, finding interesting work for my team to do, those problems were the ones that I gave my attention to. And again, that very much outweighed being lonely in my job, being professionally lonely. And that is the key. The key is to find those big problems. So now let's go back to my coaching client for a moment. For many months, she had been struggling with being professionally lonely and being lonely at work. And we tried all the usual suspects. She set up virtual happy hours with other executives in her on her executive team. She reached out to other professional connections, people that she knew from previous jobs, people who had mentored her and been important to her in her professional life for decades. And she was connecting more with friends outside of work. Well, all, I mean, in the context of being in a global pandemic where it's not safe to physically be with people outside of your family or whoever was in your pandemic bubble, but she was making all those virtual connections, setting up the Zoom happy hours and making the phone calls, doing walk and talk meetings on the phone with friends in other geographic places or even practically, you know, down the street from her, but people that she was not able to physically be with because of the pandemic. And we made some progress. But unfortunately, we did not kick loneliness to the curb through using those usual suspects. We needed something bigger than the usual suspects. We needed a big problem. Because you know, when you're lonely at work, loneliness starts to edge up against boredom. And she was getting bored in her job. She was wondering if it was the correct move to come to work for this organization. So I asked her, what excites you about the job? 
when you were first interviewing for this role and accepting the position, what was it that you wanted to accomplish? Why did you want to be an executive for this organization? What did you imagine contributing and bringing to the table? Now, she was quiet for just a moment. I mean, not long at all. And then she instantly laid out these three huge initiatives that would streamline processes across the organization, save the organization tons and tons of money. And of course, these are both things that executives care about deeply. And she had no end to her ideas about how she could accomplish these things. Now, these were big problems. These were problems worth caring about. Now, as an aside, I call them problems. You can call them projects or opportunities or whatever you want. But I, as a coach, call them problems. Now, you might see why I call them problems when you hear what question I asked her next. So after she had finished these elaborate descriptions of these three incredible projects that would streamline processes and save the organization tons of money, I then asked her the following questions. Are those problems big enough to care about? Are they big enough to make the problem of loneliness seem small and insignificant? (laughs) And you bet your bottom dollar they are. She absolutely laughed in the face of her loneliness as she thought about the contribution that she could make to the organization by taking on these three big initiatives over the coming year. Now, she was just coming upon the fir- the anniversary of her first year of employment with this organization. So we drew a line. From that day forward, she had drawn a line and she was no longer going to indulge in the problem of loneliness. She would let her newfound problems, these new problems that she had declared, and, and these new amazing problems that, again, would streamline processes and save the organization tons and tons of money. She was going to let these problems lead the way and let her loneliness settle into a back corner. So she drew a line. <laughs> And this is funny. It's not just a metaphorical line with her. This executive is rather visual. She loves everything up on a whiteboard. So she drew an actual line on the whiteboard in her office as a reminder that she was no longer going to indulge in loneliness, that it was not serving her, and that the more she thought about loneliness, the more lonely she became. But instead, when she turned her attention to these three big problems that she was hoping to uh, solve in her role as an executive with this organization, when she drew that line, those problems became what she wanted to focus on. And so looking at that line, again, was an excellent reminder for her to say, nope, I've drawn a line. I'm not going back there. Loneliness is not a big enough problem. And again, you know from what I shared earlier about all the usual suspects that we had addressed first, she knew how to tackle loneliness and create relationships and be in connection with other human beings. She absolutely knew that. But she was letting loneliness take the front seat. She was letting loneliness drive. She was letting loneliness be a big problem to the detriment 
of it taking up so much of her attention that she was not actually tackling the really big problems that she was hoping to solve by coming to be an executive in this organization. Again, so she drew a line. My question for you, dear listeners, this week is where will you draw the line? What small problem are you grappling with right now that feels so big and it doesn't deserve the front seat role that you're giving it? What small problem are you letting be a big problem? And more importantly, what big problem or problems can you take on similar to our executive friend such that your small problem becomes insignificant or even trivial by comparison. I want to throw down a challenge for you this week. As you move through the week, look for the small problems, the ones that you are indulging in. And yes, I'm using the word indulging very intentionally. You are likely allowing yourself to wallow in that problem. It is completely indulgent because it is taking valuable time away from areas in your work, in your life, in your world where you could be far more productive actually creating results. So if you are indulging in loneliness or if you are indulging in office gossip or if you are indulging in anything that is indeed a small problem that you are letting feel like a big thing, I want you to draw a line. And if it's helpful, draw a physical line. If you don't have a whiteboard, draw a line on a piece of paper and tape it to the wall next to your computer. But look for those small problems that you're indulging in, the ones that are taking up the disproportionate amount of time compared to the actual worth or value in your life and replace them with the big problems, the big juicy problems that bring all of your skills, your capacities, your value to your work and your life. And and really, you guys, this extends beyond your work, your professional work. This extends into your personal life. This extends into who you are as a friend, a neighbor, who you are in your civic life or your community life. What small problems are you indulging in that if you drew a line and found the big problems, the ones that would be worth tackling, the ones that would through your creative solutions, provide value, great value and tremendous value in your relationships and in your work and in all of the places of your life. Those are the problems I want you to go after. Those are the ones that I want you to give your time and energy. Give your soul to those. Don't let your small problems be the soul-sucking things that you are allowing to take you off your game. Instead, draw the line and only go after those big problems. Again, the physical line can be so helpful as a reminder that when we see that line, we can ask ourselves, uh, 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 am I indulging in some small problems here? Oh no, I have crossed the line. I'm not going back over the line to the small problems anymore. I'm going to stay on this side of the line. All right, my friends, go create some big problems. And if you liked this week's episode, please Make sure you subscribe, give this episode a like, and 
I will be bringing you more content related to coaching if I see that this is something that resonates with you. You can always drop me a line at Janelle at workingconversations.com and let me know what you think of the episode. And I look forward to being back with you in the same place at the same time again next week. Take good care.